0: Chapter six, we approach the um, probably the most famous story in Daniel for sure, and perhaps even in the entire uh, Bible just from a narrative standpoint, where Daniel and the lions den. While you're finding that, I want to make a couple quick announcements uh, to you. Yeah, if you if you haven't heard yet, we are doing Journey PM this evening. If you don't know what that is, it's simply. Uh, Instead of gathering in our community groups this week, we're all going to gather together and enjoy a meal outside. We're going to have a food truck here starting at 545, um, serving meal, um, and we want to just enjoy fellowship with one another outdoors. And then we'll come in for some uh, time of worship and just celebrating, uh, looking ahead at vision, what is God calling us to. This is one of my favorite times as a church. We haven't been able to do it since COVID, so I'm excited to, to gather again with you. So tonight... Uh, 6 o'clock, but again, the food truck will be at 545, ready to roll. So um, if if you haven't signed up, that's helpful for us, especially if you're bringing kiddos um, for child care numbers, but um, you can do that on our app or our website. Um, But we'd love to just have you come and join us. And then secondly, we talked about this last week. Um, uh, We are taking a group to the marriage conference at Snowbird. Uh, Snowbird, I could talk about a ton. I love the ministry. That is where our students go out during summer camp. But they are a gospel-centered, amazing uh, group of people that have an incredible campus of awesome rec and, you know, tons of fun stuff that the students do. We get to do a little bit of that, too. But the reason we use them is, men, they, they really uh, believe in partnering with the church holistically to make disciples. So they do adult conferences Uh, In the off season, and it is solid. Some of our men just got back from one a few weeks ago, and uh, I think most of them are already signed up to to take their wives there. So it is a a student ministry camp, um, and so it's awesome. The teaching is awesome. The food will be better than the students eat; it will be really good. Uh, The accommodations are similar. In fact, they're the same as what the students. So you might want to stay off site if you're not excited about uh, bunking, you know, on bunk beds. Uh, But you can do that if you want. So I have more information about that. If you if you have questions, please don't hesitate. Uh, it is well worth it. My wife and I have attended two of these very conferences over the past uh, few years and have been blessed every time, and so we're glad to answer any questions you have. Uh, we're going to try to do first round of signups like the middle of this week, and so uh, we, we, it's going to fill up quickly, so we will allow you to sign up later. We'll pro- your deposit will be a little bit more, and we just can't guarantee spots after, after this week, so we need to do that quickly because it's going to fill up quick. Uh, After that, if you miss the the spot, if they're available, we'll let you join us. If not, though, so try to make the the plans. It's October 22nd through 24th, so you have some time, and um, hopefully you can work that into your calendar. We would love to have you join us. So that's the deal. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 6 now. I'm going to ask for God's help as we jump into this famous passage. God, that's just exactly what we need is your help. We come to your word, and we confess that it is indeed your word. And, uh, and because it is your word, we ask for you to give us ears to hear. Lord, spiritual ears that we may hear and hearts that we may respond. Um, we confess that you're in authority over us. And because this is your word, it is in authority over us. And so we submit to it and ask that you would change us this morning. Would you take this familiar story and bring life through it, Lord? Would you bring death um, Bring life from death, even in our midst here this morning. So many of the songs we've sang and the way that we've uh, worshipped you so far is that you see what we don't. You bring us through when we think there is no way. And so I pray that you would um, speak the gospel and speak good news this morning through myself m- through your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, as McKenna sets up here as a young woman giving up her um, summer to go and serve... Um, the kingdom—it's uh, inspiring and it's awesome. I, I think I was told that afterwards she had some really cool, um, you know, other internships like at Boeing and different places that were offered to her, and she declined to continue to serve the Lord and where she's headed here. So blessed by that sort of testimony. That's why we kind of take time to hold hold that up. As a man, the Lord uses everyday people. It's it, the Lord's not just looking for people to come and stand and do what I do. In fact, I am here. Uh, Anthony and I are here, the staff, are, we are here to equip you all to do the work of ministry, okay? So a lot of times we have it sort of upside down. You guys, you know, think you're just going to come and listen to me and hopefully I do a good job and our church grows and we reach, you know, people. But in reality, the way the Bible sets it up is that you all are the body of Christ. We all collectively are the body of Christ doing the ministry of Christ as his hands and feet, as the kingdom proclaimers, ambassadors of this kingdom. And it's as you all go into your normal everyday lives, that God uses you to advance the kingdom. So as you go and do what you do, what God has called you to do in your vocation and in your recreation and in your neighborhoods, that he uses us collectively to advance his kingdom. So I love that. And, and that just levels the playing field. This is not about you know one person with this gifting. It's about all of us with the gifting and the calling that he has on us. We don't need a whole bunch more pastors and ministers. I mean, we, you know, we, we need more of those, but really what we need is normal everyday people, normal, right, um, as normal as you are, and we know it's 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 a sliding scale. We're all a little crazy, but we need people like you all to just say, "Yeah, Lord, I'll serve you where I am." And so, we see a young woman using her electrical engineering degree. Yeah, we were asking her. She's got finals this week in every class. We were just like, "Oh boy, like I don't even know what that means." But she's about to ace the finals for them. So, young woman there, and here we have juxtaposed with that an old man about to be thrown in the den of lions. And so, if you know the story of Daniel, you probably heard it before that Daniel ends up in the den of lions. But if you remember. A lot of our storybooks might have seen Daniel painted as what? A young man. But it's interesting. We saw last week that he was in his likely into his 80s, and this is now beyond that. So he's at least in his 80s, perhaps even approaching 90. This old man gets thrown in the line. And I just think, man, we probably shouldn't throw him anywhere. He's going to break, right? He's, 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 he's elderly. And so here's the good news. That you're never too young to be used by God and to, and to live as an example. Daniel has shown us that. He was a young man, younger than McKenna, whenever he was dragged off into Babylon in exile. And he has been used by God now for 70-plus years to proclaim God is king. He's eternal. The rest of us will come and go. He will remain. And he's done it over and over and over again. And now we have an older man, right, in the, in the twilight of his life being used faithfully and powerfully by our God. So here's the good slash bad news. There's no retirement in God's kingdom, right? There's no retirement plan for us as Christians to just coast, that it doesn't matter how old you are, like the Lord wants to use you. He wants to use you mightily and powerfully For his kingdom, so let's jump into Daniel chapter six. We got a lot to cover, so we're going to read it and preach as we go. In verse uh, one of chapter six, it says, "It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom one hundred and twenty satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom." You might be wondering who is Darius. If you were here last week, we saw that most of this book has has taken place in the kingdom of Babylon, and last week Babylon fell in dramatic fashion hey, it's an awesome story, go back and listen or just read the, the the passage. It's awesome. You need to read the passage and history to go with it because the way they fell is amazing. But the Lord has been saying that it would. And so the whole book of Daniel is a pattern and a promise that we keep seeing that kingdoms will come and kingdoms will go, but the 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 reign of our God, his kingdom will last forever. And so we have a new king now, Babylon, the kingdom of the Empire of Babylon, has fell to the Medo-Persian Empire. And so this guy, Darius, is likely also known as Cyrus in, in the history books. His rule is beginning. We don't know exactly how long, but he is is setting up the kingdom. And and Persia is gonna rule a bit differently than Babylon. Babylon ruled a bit differently than Assyria. Assyria was was quite uh, barbaric and um, really, really harsh. Babylon was a bit more advanced, where instead of killing everybody, they would, they would take the resources and even the young men. That's why Daniel and his friends were, were trafficked into the, the kingdom of Babylon to be used to advance that kingdom. And so they had advanced a little bit. And Persia, we're going to see, has moved a bit more, where instead of just pure force, they're going to try to implement the rule of law. And so that's what we see is being set up here, is that Darius is, is working on establishing that. So he's setting up 120 satraps, which is a cool name, um, for rulers um, just these are a lot like um, what would be considered our kind of 94 federal district courts across America right where it's 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 going to set up the smaller scales for people to hear you know for for people in powerful places to hear those cases so that you know Darius doesn't suffer any loss is what it says so so that he doesn't Um, have to hear all that. He doesn't have to walk through all that. And so this is a lot like that. And now we're going to see he's setting up that sort of district court in verse two. And over them were three high officials of whom Daniel was one and to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. So this is sort of like a Supreme Court, if you will. Right. So this is this is their Supreme Court. He's got 120 of them to rule throughout the empire. And then those 120 report to this rolling up you know the Court of Appeals, this is a Supreme Court deal. And so Daniel is being named uh, a justice type on the Supreme Court. and then verse three then Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So so Daniel is now promoted to this place of and, and it's interesting because Darius just met Daniel. We don't know what he knew about Daniel. you think about, News and everything was different, but but likely the stories of this Daniel had, had made their way outside of Babylon and into other parts of the world. And so when Darius comes and takes over this kingdom, Belshazzar, the young punk that was throwing the party, right, he dies. And some administrations would come in and take out everybody that was sort of on that staff or a part of that deal. But Daniel is still in place of power in this new administration. They see, oh, this guy's valuable. They've heard his stories. Perhaps they heard how it went down that night. He called what was about to happen. And so Daniel remains in a place of influence, even in this new kingdom, so much so that he is being placed not only on the Supreme Court, but actually being made sort of the chief justice. And that's what's happening here in verses 1 through 3. And it's interesting because why is this happening? And part of the story is Daniel was a good... Man, he was a good he was a good judge. He was a good uh, interpreter of dreams. He had shown himself valuable to previous kingdoms. Bad kings come and go. Daniel had stayed faithful, stayed as a man of integrity and character. And so Darius sees this. Hey, I'm setting up a new rule of law. I want this guy, right? I want some wisdom, right? This is smart, right? He, He wants some gray hair. In his cabinet, right? He doesn't want just a bunch of young punks setting up this new rule. He knows it's not going to go well for his new empire. So he needs some age. He needs some wisdom. He needs Daniel's sage presence. So he sets him up over really highest place of influence in the kingdom but here's the deal yes he was valuable yes he had done well serving these other kings but the key as to why is right there in verse 3 it says because there was a because an excellent spirit was in him it's interesting all throughout the book of daniel you'll see that that people that don't know daniel's god notice something about daniel and they they don't know how to articulate it but they will say man that guy has the spirit of the gods in him or that guy has the spirit of power in him and they start, they don't know the language. You ever been around somebody like that? They don't know Christianity. They don't know our gospel language but they start to say, man, there's something different about you, right? Or there's, there's something going on with you. You're weird or you're awesome or how do you know or how do you not get rattled in the midst of this? And we see that, that Daniel has what is called an excellent spirit about him. Here's the deal, church. That is not, talking about Daniel being awesome. It's this excellent spirit that was, is within him. We see it all throughout the book of Daniel that this is noticed, that this is pointed out, that this is drawn attention to. And it is awesome. Daniel does some incredible things. But here's, here's the crazy thing. That same spirit that abides in Daniel, that is drawing attention from Daniel, guess where? That also abides. It's in you and in me. In us, right? That is that. That is the this, this spirit that transcends cultures, that transcends empires, that transcends um, different times, and it is the spirit of the living God that is present. I was just talking uh, with, with one of our, our members earlier today, and they're reflecting on, you know, with his son-in-law about the influence of uh, two different families that both love Jesus and and, and, and that's it. He, he just said, well, that's not about us, these families. That's about the spirit that, that exists in both of these families that didn't know each other but are serving the same God. And so we should be a people that stand out above uh, the world, not, not above necessarily, but against the world as different. We should be a people who stand with faithfulness and with gentleness. In fact, let's just, let's just look. There's actually a quite explicit verse from Galatians chapter 5. And it says the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is indeed what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. right? Have, Have we seen love from Daniel? Yeah, I think we have. Have we seen... Joy from Daniel? Yeah, right? And God shows up and rescues. Have we seen peace from Daniel? Absolutely. In the midst of turmoil and chaos, when kings are freaking out, Daniel has peace. Have we seen kindness from Daniel? Absolutely. Goodness, faithfulness, 100%. Gentleness, self-control. This is the sort of spirit that should be known to exist within God's people. This should be what identifies us as well. We should be known as people of joy, peace, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And listen, how radical does that sound in the midst of this mess of our world, right? You meet somebody like that, and you're like, man, I need to hang out with them because I'm worn out with everybody else, right? I'm worn out with the news. I'm worn out with the tearing down of the political. Like everybody, like there's all sorts of, like trolls used to be like a happy thing with weird hair that I played with as a kid. And now they are people that just make it their whole life's mission to tear down other people online. Don't be a troll. If you're a troll, stop it, right? But like everybody's just tearing everybody down. There's cancel culture everywhere. Listen, we should be a people. We talked about this in midweek devotional this week. Like we we should be a people who have this spirit about us and it will stand out and be noticed by the world. So Daniel has an excellent spirit within him. Darius wants him in his cabinet. He wants him in this highest place of influence. Verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. That sound familiar? Anybody puts their name in, nominates for a position that they're running for, you know, an office, and what happens immediately? The, the haters, the opposite party, immediately starts doing what? Digging, All right? We're going to dig. We're going to find what we can. We're going to stir up everything we can. We're going to look back through this whole person's background. We're flipping through Facebook. We're looking in yearbooks. We're looking in everything we could find about this person to find some dirt why? Well, they're jealous. They want to take him out, right? We'll see uh, later that, that they, that, you think about where they are. They're Persian, right? And now they have this Jew who's done nothing for Darius. He was a, a slave in this empire of Babylon that they just conquered, and now Darius is putting him in this position of power. It, it makes people mad, right? When, when uh when goodness and character is rewarded, people of evil, like people that wanted that influence, are going to attack. And so that's exactly what's happening. They go to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground or complaint or any fault. Now this is crazy because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. That's a crazy, crazy statement. But here's, here's the, just a quick truth. It is possible to have good character in the midst of a bad culture. Young people, it's possible to have good character in the midst of a bad culture. Listen, when I was in the retail world and I was doing hiring, kind of lessons learned led us to start looking through Facebook profiles before we hired somebody, right? Because it, It's telling of what kind of posture they have, what kind of interactions they have, right? But it, it's, it's possible to have good character. And, and what I mean by that is that it, it doesn't mean that you never make mistakes, But what you do with that, how you own that, how you move forward in that is telling, and people respond to that, right? Elders in the church, like in the New Testament, are supposed to have a good reputation amongst outsiders. What does that mean? They're they're perfect? They've never done anything wrong? No. It means that when they do screw up, whenever they do something wrong, how they respond is telling, and it points to Jesus. It points to the Spirit. Amen? So it's possible to have good character in the midst of a bad culture, and that's exactly what they find with Daniel. They've got nothing. And so verse 5 says, these men said, well, we should find we're not going to find any ground for a complaint against daniel unless unless we find it in connection with the law of his god so they go wait maybe there's a way this guy's a devout follower of his god he seems he's always worshiping people know him as that like maybe there's some way we can use that against him so they set him up. Verse 6, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. And all the high officials of the kingdom, the, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors, are agreed. Now, are they? Are they all agreed? No, because Daniel's not there and he's one of them, right? But, but he says, hey, we've all met and we all agree that you should, you should make this law. You should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man... For 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar had his fire, his, his furnace. He had his, you know, I'm going to tear you apart. This guy rolls in, evidently, lions is his preferred way of doing away with, with people that he, he is not happy with. So he says, hey... So these guys come and say, "Hey, we all met and we think you should make this law, King. It'll be awesome. Establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians. If you know about history, it was it was sort of they, they prided themselves on this law. It was was a matter of fact. Once it's signed in, we're not changing it. It is it is it is absolutely law. Here's here's just a quick aside. Church, we as God's people. We believe that that is indeed the authority of God's word, that this is signed into law. It is sealed. It is closed. It is is sufficient. It is fully inerrant in its original form. And we submit to this as the final authority that cannot be changed. We don't change it if it doesn't agree with us, right? If we don't like something, we don't tweak it. We don't dismiss it. We don't do like Thomas Jefferson and cut parts of it out. No, no, no. We submit to it holistically because God has said it is good. It is my word. It will lead you to life. So that is God's word. Everything else, though, is indeed going to come and go. Everything else is subject to this. But in this culture, in this time, the law of the Medes and Persians is once the the king has signed it into effect, it cannot be removed. It is indeed written in stone. It is law. It's not going to be changed. So therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Now, What's going on here? Well, they're looking for a way to get Daniel taken down. They're looking for a way to... Knock him off his pedestal. They want his power. They want his influence. They don't like him. Later, they're going to kind of racially slur him as a as a Jew, right? They don't want him in the position that he's in, so they're looking for a way to take him down. So they come up with this setup. Well, how do they get the king to pass it? Well, they appeal to the king's pride, right? They, they appeal to this, this this king and say, hey, why don't you pass this law? <clears throat> You think about the way they conquered empires and the way they, they would conquer an existing kingdom and come in. If you could overthrow the king, right, your army's bigger and better, now you've got rule over that kingdom. Well, that's chaos to sort of try to, you know, bring new law and order and keep everybody in, in you know, on the same page and following the same deal. And so I think Darius likely saw this less of a religious thing and more of a political thing to sort of unite the kingdom around this. It's interesting. It's 30 days. Right, like I don't know if he was weighing out, like, oh man, I could be God for 30 days, right? Like, everybody could, you know, accept me into their heart and pray to me, and we could have T-shirts and the whole deal, right? Like, I don't know if he's thinking about that or if he's just, if it's just a political deal where he's just saying, hey, that would be good that way. Everybody knows it all rolls through Darius, right? I'm the final authority. I'm the the only mediator between you know, the gods and man. Right? That, this is how they would have set things up. This is the, the language that they would have used. You want something, you better be looking to Darius because if he doesn't think you should have it, he will take it from you, right? Like this is sort of that, that, that authority that they would want to establish. And so he agrees to it. He agrees. He says, yeah, that, that'll be good. Let's Let's have everybody make sure. Let's have a season of sort of uh, assimilating or galvanizing this kingdom, make sure everybody knows. Yep, you're gonna you're gonna pray through me. It's similar to Nebuchadnezzar and his golden statue, right? But it, it's it's a new kingdom and a new issue, and this is what they get past. And so, this is where we are. Verse nine. Therefore, King Darius signed the document <clears throat> and injunction. So, man, they set him up. Does that sound familiar? False accusations. We're gonna see. I want you to watch for the thread of the comparison. The the, the 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 likeness of Jesus in the book of Daniel, right? You see, the whole book is about, the whole Bible is about Jesus, if you don't know that. Like, it's all pointing to Jesus. And so in Daniel, you're going to see some prefiguring, if you will, that, that points us ahead to Jesus. And so you see this. He's set up by the religious leaders. He's set up by the government authorities to, to catch him in a trap, to put him on trial with false information, with this accusation that, that shouldn't stand. So they conspire. They lie. They're not all in agreement, but they say they are. They pass this through. Now, what's Daniel gonna do? What's he gonna do? You think Daniel's gonna pray to this guy? You think he's gonna stop praying to his God? What's he gonna do? What 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 could he do? Let's just think through that. What what could he do? He, He could he could run to the king and protest the injustice of this law, right? Maybe he could gather some other people even to go with him, right? Make some signs stand out in front of the palace, right? he, he could do that, he could protest, or he could go to the king and try to appeal his case because he's been a good person, right? Because he's been a valuable citizen, he could appeal to the king that, man, I've been an excellent servant, like, you need to make an exception here, otherwise this is going to end badly for me, right? Or, honestly, right, he could have taken 30 days off of praying. You realize that, right? Like, that's an option for him. Sometimes we just kind of we just paint Daniel right in this corner. We know he's going to be faithful. We know how it's going to turn out. So we don't even think about the tension that would be happening in the moment. What would you do? What would you do? He could have taken 30 days off. Or he could have just been a bit more discreet about it, right? I think this is the most common. I've heard advice like this from well-meaning Christian leaders, pastors, people that say, hey, listen there's no reason to be too radical right you don't want to you don't want to rock the boat like you you could still be faithful you just don't have to be so obvious like daniel we know you pray in front of a window every day like and they do we got, we'll see that in a minute like but do you have to do that maybe you just you know slide away from that window so everybody doesn't see you you keep praying you don't get killed it's all good 30 days you go back to doing what you want like this is the sort of logical advice that you would be hearing from well meaning people and these are the things that you would be Contemplating in your own mind, right? When you're faced with death, you're you're like you have a survival instinct. You're naturally going to be thinking about how can I avoid this, right? I don't know about you. I could I could think of other ways to go other than being torn apart by lions. They're an amazing animal, but I do not want to be in their jaws, right? So you would be thinking through how do I get out of this? What do I do? And so what what would you do? What would you do in this situation? Let's see what Daniel does. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. And that is a key verse. Okay, so he prays. So it's a bold move, right? But before you just celebrate the boldness, because a lot of y'all are like, yeah, defy that government, mm. They ain't going to tell me what to do. ain't going to take my rights, right? And we're just like posture up about it, right? We're ready to defy the government. We're ready to defy those moments because we just, we're sort of wired to, to be that anti. We're just anti-stat. We're just going to fight. We're going to fight that government. Like there's a lot of people like that and would have liked to think that they would be that guy. Listen, I have pastor friends. Our, our church was, was really a pleasure to pastor through uh, COVID-19. It's a mess. This last year, like it's just been a mess. Everybody's divided. Everybody feels strongly. There's all sorts of tension in our world. Y'all have been great to pastors, so thank you for that. Like, we've been able to reason. We've been able to have conversations. We've been able to disagree. Thank you for that. But I got pastor friends, right, who were getting pressure to reopen their churches back in the early days when we didn't know what we are dealing with, right, and we're shut down so we don't kill everybody, Right? During that season, I had pastor friends that were getting pressured to reopen to their churches because they, they, you know, defy the government. Like, you don't let the government tell you what to do. But it's, it's interesting, the people that were pressuring them hardest are people that don't even come to church very often. Right? These aren't faithful people, by and large, that really wanted to be in church worshiping. They just wanted to pick a fight. Right? They just wanted to be defiant. That's not what this is here. That's not what's happening with Daniel. This is not the sort of defiance just for the sake of defiance. This is the same quiet. And humble obedience that we've seen from Daniel since he was a teenager brought into the kingdom of Babylon. From day one, Daniel made a resolve back in chapter one not to defile himself. You remember that? What does he do? Is he protesting then? Is he throwing a fit? No. He just chooses to quietly obey his God. Consequences got to come. They got to do what they got to do. But I'm not going to defile myself. And he continues in this posture of just simply obeying God in humble obedience. Quiet obedience. And now the pressure's on him once again. But it doesn't rattle him. Why? Because he's been resolved and he's been doing this for years. See, a lot of you, a lot of I see the Facebook post, right? If you're really a Christian, you'll you'll share this, right? We want to defy Facebook. I'm not even saying that's bad. I don't mean to paint that wrong. I'm just saying there's there's these opportunities where it's like, they ain't gonna tell me what I can say. I'll 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 pray the Lord's Prayer right here. And I'm like, well, I mean, are you praying at any other time? Is it just, you just want people to know you won't be, I don't know, that's weird. That can get weird, right? Daniel, you see, this is not the first time that he goes to that window to be seen praying. It says, as he had done previously. We're going to see all throughout the rest of the book that King, all of them. Listen, that's how they knew to drum up this law. That's how they knew they would bust Daniel because they'd seen him be doing this. This is a man who's been on his knees three times a day facing Jerusalem, which is a, which is a fulfillment of, uh, I think it's 1 Kings 8, whenever it talks about if they end up in exile, if God's people disobey him and end up in exile, if they humble themselves and they're praying toward Jerusalem. So that's what Daniel's doing. He's not just a look at me. He doesn't blow a trumpet. He's not just waiting to see he's got a crowd. Okay, cool. Now let me get down. Like he's not doing that. You've seen people like that. Slap them. I'm just kidding. But maybe, not really. Uh, but you see people like that, that they're just doing it to be seen. This is not what Daniel's doing. This is what he has been doing since he was a teenager in Babylon. He's been put in places of influence. He's probably in a pretty nice crib at this point, right? Clearly, everybody could see it in the, in the kingdom, right? And But nonetheless, this is what he does every day. So here's the deal. We don't, I, I, a lot of people say it. I'm not sure who it's attributed to. It's most commonly associated with the Navy SEALs, but it says something like this. We don't rise to the occasion, but we sink to the level of our training. Okay? Navy SEALs will say that a lot. It's not about just rising to the occasion. Oh, yeah, come fight me, I'll take, like, you know, but you've never thrown a punch. It's not going to end well for you, probably, right? You need some training, yeah, right? We don't rise to the occasion as much as we fall or sink to the level of our training. What does that mean? It means Daniel didn't just step up in these moments. Daniel had been practicing his resolve and his walk with the Lord for day in, day out, since he was a teenager. Probably even before. Here's the deal. Christian character is not forged in adversity, but it is rather revealed in adversity. Okay, A lot of us want to look to that day. Oh yeah, I'd stand up. right? I, I, I'd claim Jesus' name when there's a gun to my head. And, and listen, I hope that you would. And I'm not saying you don't mean that. But I'm saying we don't need to just macho up in those moments. We need to be faithful in the meantime. See, like I said, we've, we've covered almost 70 years of Daniel's life in just six chapters. There's a whole lot of life we don't have recorded, but guess what he was doing every day of the 70 years? Kneeling, praying, worshiping. We're going to look at Daniel's prayer life later in the book, right? So we'll draw on that. But, but just note this here, that, that Daniel's life is, is his relationship with the Lord is not, it's not attached to crisis, right? Like he's not... There, like his relationship with Jesus isn't crisis oriented. You know, anybody like that, right? Whenever they're going through hard times, they're a devout Jesus follower. Maybe that's been you. Your, your relationship when things are hard, you're on your knees, when things are hard, you're in this building, but otherwise, you kind of come and go, right? Like, this is not Daniel. His relationship with the Lord is not crisis oriented, rather, it is a day in, day out resolve to follow him. And so, here's the deal we need to be living. Every day, like we will need to live in a crisis, like we will need to live in persecution. Here's the deal, church. Times are changing. We don't know what's happening. It does seem like there's religious uh, liberty things that are certainly coming down the pipe for us quickly. There's an article attached to your digital bulletin I would love for you to read. It's called, um, Welcome to Exile, It'll Be Okay. right? Like We actually need to realize, as, as people, that part of the reason that Daniel was able to live the way that he lived is because he knew he was in exile. He knew he didn't belong there. He knew that Babylon wasn't his home. He knew that Persia wasn't his home. He had all kinds of opportunities to rise to influence and to live a really great life by the world's standards. And yet he chose to keep serving his king because he knew it was not his home. He knew that this is not his ultimate destination. We need to know that as God's people, that we are exiles, we are sojourners, we are passing through. This physical world will be our home once Jesus remakes it, but this place, this values, these things that the world says we should have that's not what we should be aiming for. And Daniel knows that, and that's what allows him to live in this faithful way over and over again throughout the book of Daniel. And so we see that that's exactly what he does in this moment as well. He gets down and he prays just as he had done previously. Verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said to the king concerning the injunction. So they caught him, right? They were watching, right? They got him busted. We got our evidence. And they come back to the king. Oh, king, did you not sign an injunction? Listen to how they start. They don't just start with the accusation, right? They want to make sure it's clear. Did you, didn't you sign this thing that anybody who, who makes a petition to any God or man within 30 days, except to you, oh, king, shall be cast in the den of lions? And the king answered, well, yeah, that that. that Stands fast according to the law of Medes and Persians, cannot be revoked. Absolutely, we passed that a few days ago, can't be revoked. Don't be coming to me with any, you know, suggestions. And they go, No, no, uh, well, well, King, there's this deal, uh, Daniel, verse 13. Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, again, most almost every commentator will agree that's a racial slur, like, like they're, they're, they're de- degrading him with that comment. One of those exiles, one of those Jews, he, he pays no attention to you, King. Or the injunction that you've signed, but but he makes his petition three times a day, and then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and his mind set to deliver Daniel. Right. So so we don't know a ton about the relationship, but what we do know is that the king had come to love Daniel. He loved him like he did. He was distressed at this. He he realized he had been caught and manipulated in this situation, and they've been set up, and now he's going to have to punish Daniel. He can't change the law. Right. There would be a terrible. Loss of face for this king who's trying to rule this vast empire. He he loves Daniel. He doesn't want this to happen. But he knows if he disregards this law, he'll lose all authority and likely will lose his throne. And so he knows what's going to happen. He's much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel. Right? And and so what is he doing? He's saying, hey, find some fine print. Find a loophole. Find some reason why I don't have to kill Daniel. And, And he labored, it said, till sundown to rescue him. Verse 15, and then these men came by agreement to the king and said, Now, O king, as the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance of the king established can be changed. And then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of of the den, and the king sealed it. With his own signet, this sound familiar? With the signet of the Lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his place and spent the night fasting, no to him, and sleep fled from him. What's going on with this? It's interesting. He's distressed. He tries to find a way to get out of it. He realizes he can't. So what does he do? It seems like he kind of doubles down right? It seems like he kind of doubles down, but I think if you listen and if you know the end of the story, he he, he can't sleep. He runs to the lion's den the next day. I think what's happening in Darius's mind is he knows there's power in Daniel's God. He knows the stories of what Daniel's God has done, and and there seems to be some hint of hope, maybe even early faith, where he's saying, hey, okay, I got to do this, but Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually, may he deliver you, right? So, and then It's it's almost like he expects this to happen because he doesn't want anybody to make any other claim other than Daniel's God has rescued him because he puts his own signet on there. He puts a stone in front of the door, and he puts his own seal there. Only at his command can that stone be rolled away. Nobody would dare tinker with that. Nobody would dare try to slip Daniel out the other side. Nobody would dare do that. He makes sure that nothing else can be said. Nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. The end of verse 17. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. So he, he can't eat. No diversions. This is a guy who's used to being brought whatever pleasure he wants for the evening, right? None of that happens. And sleep fled from him. So he can't sleep. So the king is all sorts of distressed. He's all kinds of tore up. He can't sleep. He doesn't eat. And then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. Listen look, look at that. Look, he's he's expecting. He's hoping. He's just hoping that God will get him out of this mess, that, that he didn't have to kill this guy, that Daniel's God is that good. There's some people that are looking at your life, they're looking at our faith and hoping that it's as good as we say it is. You realize that, right? Sometimes the world tears down Christianity because they don't believe it could be that good. They don't think it could be that amazing that God actually sent Jesus to die for us, and Jesus actually rose from the dead, and we can have a hope in him that can never be taken. They don't believe that. They're hoping that our lives will prove it. They're hoping that the testimony will prove that our God is that good. Darius runs and says, as he enters, verse 20, He came near to the den where Daniel was, and he cried out in a tone of anguish. The clean king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, Servant of the living God. It's incredible. Has your God, whom you serve continually, this God you're devoted to, these stories that I've heard, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Man, it's an awesome story. There's the king. Hasn't slept, full of anguish, comes in the next morning. Daniel, Daniel, are you alive? Daniel, did it work? Did your God come through? And then Daniel... Daniel says to the king, hey, hey, king, O king, live forever. He says, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. Church, this is our God. He sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Man. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They and their children, this is hard, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them overpowered them, and broke all their bones in pieces. So here's the deal. They throw Daniel in. Again, I don't know how he's, he's not just, you know, osteoporosis breaking. I, you shouldn't throw an old man, right? But they, they put him in the lion's den, and he, and he survives the night king comes back and he says, man, king, don't worry about it. God sent an angel, his angel, shut the lion's mouth. It's all good. Some people would say, well, the lions just weren't hungry. Well, first of all, they're lions. That's not how they, not how they work. Second of all, we see that at the end of the story here, like the people who had accused him, they end up getting thrown in. You say, yeah, that seems harsh. Well, I don't disagree. It is harsh. It's Darius' way, but actually there's a law, about, even back in Deuteronomy, and I was having a conversation about this the other day about some of the injustice, like, but it's interesting. Back in Deuteronomy, like if you brought a false accusation against somebody and you were trying to get them killed or them arrested or them put in jail and you, you, it, you lost the trial, right? if you're found to be falsely accusing somebody, then you would get the punishment that you had sought for them. So that's exactly what happens with these men in Darius, except for the fact that their wives and kids get thrown in as well. Man, just real quick, your actions have implications for your family. Okay? Just, you just need to know that, man. You may not think you're that big a deal. You may not think you have that much influence, but here it I deal with too much brokenness day in and day out from adults that they've been crippled and traumatized by stuff that happened when they were kids. It's affected them on this side of the deal. And then the cycle continues. So you just need to know that what you do, men, affects your wife and your children, for the better and the worse. Your influence is going to ring throughout history. It may seem like a small pebble tossed into the pond, but you know the the ripples that that go out through there. That is your life, your decisions, your actions, as small as opening your Bible at home with your kids, as big as choosing to cheat on their mom, as big as choosing to cheat at work, whatever it is, like your actions have implications for your children and for your family. These guys, not only do they lose their life, their kids and their wives get thrown in, and the lions indeed we're hungry because before they even hit the ground, they've pounced on them and broken all their bones into pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages, this is verse 25, that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree in all my royal dominion. People are to tremble and fear the God of Daniel. This is a pagan king making this declaration. We don't know if he gets saved. It sounds like saving faith. We don't know. Nonetheless, he makes this declaration. They had been, he'd been juked into making this injunction before. Now he's making a decree. He says, This is my words. This is my command. The people everywhere in the rule of Persia should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is what? The living God. And he endures forever. This is what God's been telling them all throughout Daniel. It's the pattern, it's the promise. Kingdoms are going to come, kingdoms are going to go, my kingdom will last forever. All the way back early in Daniel, you see the statue representing the coming kingdoms, and then what? A stone is cut out of the, the mountains, and it crushes that statue, and then it keeps growing until it takes over the whole earth. This is what's happening. And, and God has called it. He's called a shot. He said it's what's going to happen and it's happening. And Daniel, Daniel has now been used once again. He just says a few words and now Darius is being used to proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. He says he's the living God and his kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be what? Till the, what? End of verse 26, till the end. Not till his term's up not till the next election year, not till he dies, right? No, he's living and he'll never be destroyed. his It's never going to end all the way to the end. He delivers and he rescues church. Amen. This is our God. He works in signs and wonders in heaven and earth. Our God is not a boring God. It's not a ho-hum religion. This is a living God. He delivers and he rescues. He works in signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion. So Daniel, this Daniel, prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Here's the deal. All of this is about Jesus. All of this is pointing us ahead to Jesus. Yes, it's incredible what happens in and through Daniel, but it's all pointing us to Jesus. That's the point of the book. The point of this chapter is that we have deliverance in Jesus. You may not be thrown into a physical lion's den, but things will happen. Persecution will happen. Just frankly, life will happen. We have deliverance in Jesus. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, listen, either my God will deliver me from your hand or he'll deliver me through your hand. Either God will get you out of this mess that you're in, the suffering that you're in, the diagnosis that you're in, the relationship. The me- like all. Either he'll get you out of it or he'll use it to get you through it and to the other side where you will be in glory. Daniel is taken from the pit of the lion's den back into his palace and he prospers here on earth. We don't all have that promise that we're going to prosper here on earth, but we do know that we will be laid in a pit. We all end up in the ground, right? We all are headed there. Ten out of ten, going to be there Going to be a funeral home, going to be a corner. It's not going to, like, that's just part of the deal. You know it. You know that part of your story. But in Jesus, we will be taken from that pit, from that grave, and raised to new life. Physically, actually, will happen. That's the good news of the gospel. So, Daniel is... Just pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is the greater Daniel. Listen to these. Just just briefly as we close, listen to this. Daniel and Jesus both had jealous political leaders drum up false charges and arrest them to kill them. Both Daniel and Jesus. Daniel and Jesus both had senior political leaders declare them innocent and faultless. Right? Darius didn't want to kill Daniel. Pilate, Herod, they didn't want to kill Jesus. Right? They find no fault in him. Daniel and Jesus were thrown into a pit and left for dead. Daniel and Jesus had their pit covered with a large stone. Daniel and Jesus had that stone that was covering their pit protected with a government seal. Daniel and Jesus had loving friends run to their tomb early in the morning. Daniel and Jesus defeated death and walked away from their tomb early in the morning. Daniel and Jesus both raised up, or both were raised up from that pit to be second in command over a kingdom. Daniel over Medo Persia. Jesus is ascended and seated at the right hand of God to rule over all that is. Until he comes back to claim it fully and finally. Daniel eventually died, but Jesus is Jesus defeated death. Never to die again. And Daniel will one day raised, or Jesus will one day raise this Daniel from the dead. The point of Daniel is that Jesus is the greater Daniel. Listen, Daniel says, King, I'm good. God sent his angel. We don't know for sure. Again, I have talked about this in the previous sermons. If it's a regular angel, a lot of times when it's, when it's kind of a proper noun, the angel of the Lord or his angel, it, it indeed is, is, is a theophany, right? It's the pre-incarnate Jesus coming into history to, to do something. And, and this could indeed be that. You think of this. You think of this. The lion of the tribe of Judah rolls into that lion's den and shuts their mouth.
1: That's awesome.
0: All right? says, no, 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 not today. This one's mine. You think of that, it's the creator of the whole world. You think, well, that's crazy. This story must just be made up. Listen, do you believe what you say you believe? Because if you do, what we believe, church, let me remind you, is that our God created all things with his mouth. Those lions, they're awesome, don't get near them. He spoke them into existence. Jesus is on earth, it's a storm, everybody's freaking out. He tells it to stop storming, and it does Either you believe Jesus is all and in all and through all and over all and holding it all together or your faith is futile and you're just you're, you're going to be washed to and fro. You need to know that this is our Jesus. The lion of the tribe of Judah shows up in that lion's den, shuts their mouth, preserves Daniel, and then declares his glory over the whole empire of Medo-Persia. That's awesome. Over and over again, we see the evil empires of the world try to... Hold down God's people. Try to to get victory over God's people. And they'll often draw a huge crowd to do it. Look at our victory. Look at how we've conquered the God of Israel. Look at what we've done. And God will say, yeah, yeah, you just hang on. Look at what I'm about to do. And just like he did with the boys in the fiery furnace, that whole crowd's there to worship Nebuchadnezzar. He turns it around and says, watch this. And they all leave in awe of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Darius Leaves that lion's den and makes the declaration. Hey, make sure everybody knows this. And it's not just a one-time, mic; Like, he's sending out this declaration to the whole kingdom. You realize that, right? Like, get the printing. Print it. Carry it. Go. People riding horses, going to different kingdoms, saying, hey, King Darius, that guy, you got to fear him. Kills people whenever he wants. He said we got to worship Daniel's God. Who's Daniel? Daniel, Daniel's that Jew? Oh, yeah, we got to worship him. It's a crazy story. This is how this ends. Our God is the God of deliverance. Our God is the only God who could take his people and preserve them through things that would kill anybody else. You realize that's what's going to happen, right? That this world will crush us all. It will crush all humankind. But if you are in Jesus, you'll have redemption. You will have hope on the other side. That's good news, church. That the fire burnt up, what was a Babylon, everything that bound them in the same way. Daniel, these, these, ty- these lions would eat anything that was thrown in, but no, nope, God is going to preserve. There's going to be a day when judgment indeed comes to the whole earth, everybody, everybody. And his wrath is all-consuming, and the fire will consume everything that is of this world. But if you're in Jesus, you'll step out of that unscathed with no harm brought to you. What are you talking about? I'm talking about judgment. I'm talking about this is, this is, a, this is a crazy story about lions. You need to know your life is a story that is real with an ending that we already know how it's going to go. You're going to stand before a living God. And one day that God's going to come back and bring justice to this whole world. And if you're in Jesus, you will be protected, right? You will be shielded from that wrath. You'll be shielded from that destruction and brought through to the other side. If you're not in Jesus, if you have not confessed your faith in Jesus, you've not chosen to make him the Lord of your life, then you will be Eternally tormented and eternally suffering in his hell. And that is justice. see, this thing's harsh. Well, here's the deal. That's justice for me, too. I'm not just standing up here holier than that. Like, that's what I deserve. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're all headed to a devil's hell. But our Jesus has deliverance. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for our Jesus. Thank you for showing up for Daniel that we would have the story to encourage our faith. I pray that right now, today, we would be encouraged. Right now, today, we would take heart that we would rejoice that you are our God and you've saved us from the pit. You've saved us from the lion's den. Thank you, Jesus, for being the greater Daniel. Would you come and conquer hearts today. Would you come and set people free? Would you come and give us hope? Give us courage.